0: You're listening to the Officers Club podcast, the internet's second best free Barnet podcast. To subscribe, visit iTunes, Acast or SoundCloud. Or to get in touch with the show, tweet us at Barnet underscore podcast.
1: Hi everyone, this is Stath and I'm joined here today by Will Evans. Hello. Jonathan Blakey. Hello. And Tom Bedell. Uh, hello. In the next just under an hour, he says optimistically, we're going to discuss all things Barnet, our form since Martin Allen took over, and the final three games of the season. Before we get into all that, just like to remind everyone we do have a Twitter, which is worth checking out just before we record. We'll ask for your questions. That's at Barnet underscore podcast, and we have a website as well, which is officersclubpod.com. Right, gents, let's get going. Uh, Tom, were you at the Grimsby game? I was not. Nor was I. So uh, you and I will do our normal thing and just hover in the background as we let Jonathan and Will uh, talk about the game. So, Jonathan, do you want to start?
2: Yeah, I don't really know where to start with it. Uh, Poor start. Conceded very early on from another set piece. Again, it's getting very annoying. Conceding so many set pieces. A very soft one one this time around as well. Um. The rest of the first half was pretty even I think in in terms of general play but it was very frustrating to watch from our point of view um, and especially having Martin Allen sitting right in front of me in the technical area and I was just in a stand behind he was furious towards the end of the half because we had a lot of half decent play and a lot of the first half was in their half for the pitch but the end product was just abysmal um, all shots were sort of fun in the row Z or going outside of the stadium um, or the f- final pass, the final decision. It was just awful. Martin Allen said he went in at half time and had a quiet ch- chat in inverted commas. Um, that is a very, very loud shouting borderline murder. I'm sure on the players. Uh, and the second half, we were all right, especially when John Louis APRA came on. He, he changed the game in a really positive way for us. And, uh, he obviously got the equaliser for us. was a really nice finish. And then, uh, obviously, Curtis Westham got a bit of luck with the uh, goal to put us in front. Big deflection on it, but we'll take that. Um, but it's just typical of us, isn't it? We just get our foot in front and then, I think it was it felt like 30 seconds later, we'd concede the penalty and there you go. Try not to get ahead of yourselves this season. That's the story of it, isn't it? <laughs>
1: You sound like a man who's had a, a small, short day at work, feels refreshed.
3: He's <laughs> <laughs> had a really enjoyable, <laughs> enjoyable yeah. season of football.
1: <laughs> Will, do you, uh, do you want to expand on what Jonathan said there?
3: Well, I think Jonathan's described the game pretty accurately. It was, in all honesty, it was two teams who were probably down at this end of the table for a reason and were both probably a little bit low on confidence, but also... You know, lacking a bit of quality in front of goal, especially when it came to that that final pass or that final shot. And in the first half, maybe maybe Grimsby slightly edged the game. And then in the second half, it was probably a case of us having a slight advantage. But in all honesty, a draw was probably a fair outcome. It was just so disappointing. I don't know, I suppose if you'd looked at it at half-time we were one goal down, you'd probably have said, OK, fair enough, we'll take coming away with a point because the... The worst thing that can happen is that Grimsby pull away from us and gain three points on us. But by the end, just conceding a goal in that manner so soon after you'd fought your way back into the game and gone ahead was devastating, really. And I I kind of came away from the match feeling like we'd lost rather than than got a valuable point purely because it could have been so much more and it could really have changed our season if we'd won that.
1: Um, As someone, again, who wasn't there... I saw a lot of people saying that the first half we were terrible, we were not going to get anything out of the game, um, the team was performing terribly and didn't look up for it. Second half, obviously Martin had his quiet word, and Jonathan, you've alluded to this, but how big an impact, or not an impact, how, how big a difference was there between the first and second half, excluding the obviously the end result and how bad that was, but the actual difference between the two, Jonathan?
2: Um. I think- I feel like the first half was made out to be a lot worse than it actually was. If if if, if it had been nil-nil at half-time, I don't think there would have been many people complaining. We were we were doing everything, I mean, barring that poor goal conceding uh, so early on, but in terms of general play, we were getting up the pitch and we were getting into half-decent areas. It was just the end product, the final decision-making. We were panicking, we were rushing, and it looked like players were a bit scared to get on the ball. You know, there was one moment where Colthurst had a, he had about ten yards between him and the defenders in front of him, and they were backing off as well. And he just shot straight away, and it found Rose Ed instead of you know taking it closer to the area and and you know trying you up from a better angle when you're a little bit more set to do so. He, he rushed it. Ryan Watson had some terrible free kicks as well towards the end of that half. The um, second half, Martin Allen's re- alluded to it in previous games as how substitutes can change a game. John Adeaprapro certainly did that. He was uh, a little bit more of a target up front, you know, the ball stuck to him a little bit more and he he took some of the pressure off John Akinde and all these long balls that were aimed towards Akinde all season all of a sudden they start to be aimed towards Pro who was able to flick them on and Akinde was able to play Akinde's more favorite game which is playing on the shoulder of the last man and being a nuisance. And that that you know the the goal that he scored Adeaprapro it was a long ball, he was the one that flicked onto Akinde, who gave it back to him and he stabbed it into the corner. If we hadn't conceded so early on, I think it, it could have been a little bit more of a different outlook on the game. And Grimsby, even though they won the week before against Chesterfield, their, their crowd was still very fragile. And if, if we were able to, you know, first 15, 20 minutes, if we were able to keep that tight, frustrate them, their crowd would have got on top of them. And uh, we could have played that to our advantage, and you know they they would have started rushing passes and starting to panic on the ball instead of us. Um, it's just falling asleep at full set pieces. It's, that's me, Edin.
1: Yeah, it's really annoying. It, it, it it's annoying as a fan. I imagine Martin Allen probably has nightmares. Probably goes to sleep just players being in, incapable of uh, of holding leads, particularly at set pieces. Mm. Will we went in front. We're in front of like, what, two minutes, if that. What does it say about the team that we go ahead? You know, I'm sure someone would have shouted something like, nil-nil, lads, keep your heads on, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, we go and concede a
3: penalty. What does it say about the team? I think that they are incredibly pumped up for this match. That was the impression I got. Martin Allen seemed at his most, most animated and just permanently looked like he was about to blow a gasket throughout the whole of the first half. Um, and I think the players were too, Michael Nelson in particular. And I just wonder if when they finally got that breakthrough and got that, you know, what could have been the winning goal, whether they were so, not ecstatic, but just so kind of in the moment of the goal and it, they didn't switch back into game mode quick enough when they gave away that penalty. Um, it's, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. But I think it might have as much to do with the significance of the match as as to the player's own ability.
1: Okay. You you say they were pumped up. Was they potentially... Were they? Was they? Or were they potentially too pumped up?
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, that's something you can't really... Unless you're sort of in the dressing room before the game, half-time, whatever it is, um, it's, it's kind of hard to make that judgment. I guess, fundamentally, we did come back into the game after going 1-0 down, so whatever you know whatever team talk whatever effect that had, had did have the desired effect because it got them back into the game yeah maybe they were too um too excited after the goal winning i don't know but it um whatever it is yeah you still got to, you still got to have the players pumped up haven't you if you want to try and overturn a one goal deficit
2: you've got you, you sorry it's um it, it's quite interesting what you you were saying you know players out there you need players who are going to say it's it's nil nil lads come on keep your heads sort of stuff the players that would do that would be your senior players like Michael Nelson and Curtis Weston and that and um straight off the goal Will was jumping over me on in the commentary box He, he was uh he was all over me and I was thinking we haven't won it yet we haven't won it just keep your heads the game isn't over and I was thinking that from the stand and then it was Michael Nelson. If you watch the replays back, it was Michael Nelson that unnecessarily approached a, a, a tackle or closing down his man a little bit too quick. And the player, he just skipped past him. One little tap of the ball and he's passed him. And then he put the ball in and it's Weston that actually fouled his man and um, gave away the penalty. And they're the ones that you're going to be looking to, to think, saying, come on, we haven't won it yet. There's still nine minutes or whatever left to play. Keep your heads. and." I think Will is probably right. They were just too in the moment, too too much adrenaline probably going through the body that uh, it proved to be a bit uh, negative.
1: I like the implication there that if you were both playing, you would have been the calm senior pro talking the team through the win, <laughs> and we would really have given away the penalty to get us relegated.
3: Yeah, bro. Well, I mean, to, you know, in commentary terms, that is very much how it was panning out. You know, I was, um, it, when we went... I mean, I'm sure Jonathan will tell you when we were a goal down. I was sitting slumped in my seat next to him, absolutely dejected for the whole first half. And then the moment that winning goal went in, I was you know all over the place like a jack in the box. Like, I think Jonathan's a lot more professional when it comes to keeping it calm throughout the game.
1: <laughs> so uh, on a, on a slightly more positive note, talking to the happiness you felt for a brief period of time, Bill, how
3: nice is it to have Jean Louis back? Yes, yeah, he's a big. He was a big miss, I think. You know, just, I mean, Jonathan alluded to it, having that player who can act as a foil to, to John okindy that's something we've been really missing. I don't think any of the other the other strikers we've got really do that. There was a time under Graham Wesley where Alex Nichols seemed to be filling that role a little bit. But generally speaking, yeah, you need someone who's who's a more physical player. He doesn't, as we know, he doesn't tend to do it for the whole 90 minutes, but he's a fantastic impact star. when you get him on for sort of 30, 40 minutes, he... He always seems to deliver. It's strange because he, you know, he's not a particularly good finisher either, but when you give him just that limited amount of time, whether it's a, a, you know, scoring a goal or setting one up, he always seems to, seems to do something. I think it's, it's worth mentioning just briefly that as well as Jean-Louis Aparapo, the substitution bringing on Charlie Clough and moving down Sweden into the midfield, that was really, really critical to getting something from the game because we were being cut open really easily on Saturday through the midfield I thought in the first half and that kind of shored things up a little bit it does show you that between that and that pro coming on Martin Allen tends to tends to get his substitutions right relative to a lot of other managers you know we could see with Graham Wesley you often made the most baffling of changes but Allen seems to have generally nailed it since he's come back
2: okay. he knew he knew when to make that change as well because he took Nana Kai off midway through the first half to put China Clough on and it was a tactical switch he he was brave enough to make it. A lot of managers would have just sat back and see how things go for the first half.
1: Oh, are, are you? Have you got confirmation of that? Because I know BBC and everyone else had it down as, a, as an injury, but was it tactical?
3: It
2: was. De- oh, I, I, it was I, tactical. tactical. to me. Oh, Nanakai. Nanakai Nana wasn't struggling at all, and he didn't limp anything. He didn't show any signs of injury. And it, yeah, I mean, he put Charlie Clough on and moved Dan Sweeney into midfield. It, Dan Sweeney was much more of a destroyer. Curtis Weston went out to the right hand side and. I think it it added a little bit more work rate from Western out wide in the wide areas and a little bit more of a destroying attitude from a midfielder like Dan Sweeney. That's
1: fair. That's, that's interesting. Uh, Tom, you've been silent for a long time. Just a quick word from you. Nice to have Jean-Louis back, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think the thing that goes kind of underappreciated with Jean-Louis at pro is he's a very intelligent footballer. And whereas John Akindi's a kind of archetype on number nine and, you know, the, the big percentage of his game is about is about goals. And if you talk about John, you talk about goals. Maybe Jean-Louis was more like that when he was younger, but I think now he is that kind of, you know, that player that links the play between the midfield and the, the more traditional forwards. And I don't think we've got another forward like that. And I think Will touched on it, but it is worth reinforcing that he's a very intelligent footballer. And I think John appreciates that. And I've harped back to it and I've harped back to it and I'm going to harp back to it again. And you probably know what I'm going to say but that assist he got um away to newport county for john last season for the second goal which he just rattles in the top corner was i think the perfect embodiment of that and i think it's a shame that obviously injury and then spending the second half of last season out alone i think we've just not seen you know the best of him um uh, on the field often enough uh, for those reasons and um, I'm not saying he would have saved us from what may or may not happen this season or you know, he would have been the difference between being in the mid-table or being in the playoffs, but I just think he is an underappreciated player, we're all fans of him here, but uh, I, I, I imagine he's very popular with the other forwards in the squad as well because he's uh, he, he kind of enables them, so it's good to see him back, it's a shame it wasn't
1: sooner. Yeah, I would agree with that, echo that, and we all do love Jean-Louis, probably to the annoyance of some people. Um, Jonathan, talking of the link between John Akindi and the rest of the team, because sometimes he is very isolated up top, Curtis Weston does seem to do that role quite well as well, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, when he's allowed to go forward, Curtis Weston is very good at that. He's always near him. I think because they've played together for so many years now, they're, they're, they're good mates, and They've obviously worked on that partnership a fair bit. Um, It was something Martin encouraged when he was in midfield with Sam Togwell. Sam Sam Togwell was the perfect player to just sort of say, yeah, you go forward, I'm going to stay here and cover you. Um, And that that worked a treat, I think, between them two. Um, And I think with some slightly getting there with Dan Sweeney in midfield, he can just say, yeah, you you can go forward, I'll stay here. Um, He doesn't do it to the same discipline Sam Togwell would. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's really handy to have in that area of the pitch. Cause obviously John, we all know John, what he can do when he's on form, but he can't do it all himself. And he, when he doesn't have Michael Gash with him anymore, he, uh, he, sh- he struggles for players to get in and around him. Cole thirst, the amount of times they've played together this season up front, it just hasn't really worked. Um, Nichols is good but sometimes you can just see him he's just a little bit too far away from him at times he's not getting on the end of the knockdowns or whatever like that Curtis Weston, whenever he plays in that number 10 role just behind John Akinde or he's been given that sort of license to go forward from central midfield he's always within around 5 or 10 yards of Akinde when the long balls are coming his way Um, it's really refreshing to have because Akinde he's a bit like the the Lukaku of League 2 really he's He's great. It's just got he's got the first touch of a donkey, um. So Curtis Weston, obviously being near him, can tidy up and collect all the loose balls and win the 50-50s. And, and then all of a sudden we're underway to to play in the opposition half of the pitch, which is obviously most of the aim of the game, really. Can I just add something on
0: Curtis? Just some numbers to back that kind of up. Always good to have some stats. This season has been <laughs> thank. you, this season obviously has been injury affected for him and obviously that so that you know that um, that uh, affects his numbers but I just pulled up the stats now this season he's had 0.93 shots per 90 last season he had 1.37 so you know that's a drop of you know virtually 50% um, and this season he's had uh, 0.69 touches in the box per game which I think is the really interesting thing he's just not getting into those advanced areas Last season, he had 1.55, so that's an even more dramatic drop-off. And I think that just shows how his role has changed this season and the kind of impact that not having um, you know, a recognised holding midfielder in there for most of the season has had on him, that he's had to take on more responsibility defensively, and that, that has impacted his ability to
1: get, get into the final third and do what we all know he can do so well. Thank you. That's fantastic. I might, might have a little Tom stack corner. I'm going to start going to a bit more reliably now. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> that is that good. Um, on that talk, will how big a miss have Curtis Weston's
3: goals been? Yeah, I think that Tom, that last point he made was absolutely spot on. You know, he's been so restricted since he's come back. Um, Curtis, because, you know, we all know the recruitment issues in centre central midfield since Togwell, then champion has left. And, um, it's meant that we were looking so lightweight as soon as he came back from injury we were just desperate to have any kind of senior professional in the center of midfield and he kind of just got slotted into a more kind of some box to box but also a more defensive role as well um i think his goals have been missed partly because there aren't a lot of goals in the rest of the team i mean apart from cool thirst who's obviously scored quite a few this season we know that akindi's been struggling for goals and then you look around the whole side and you say well there's there's not many players in there who are going to get you even anywhere close to double figures, really. Um, whereas we all know that if you put Curtis just behind the strike or even when he's playing from the centre, he'll generally get to at least 10 goals a season, roughly speaking. Um, and that's that's something that's been, that's had a big impact on our season so far, I think, not having that, you know, someone who can contribute to the goals tally.
1: Yeah, it's a very, very valid point. Um, can I just wait in on John?
0: Yeah, go on then. I promise I'll stop being a know it all smart ass stats geek in a minute. Uh, John, this season, 2.4 shots per 90. Last season, 2.68 shots per 90. So, not a particularly um, dramatic drop off. However, 31% on target this season, 44% last season, which is quite interesting. Which leads me to reckon that the chances he's been getting have probably been uh, kind of lower quality. Chances than he would have been getting last season Which takes you back to the kind of The service element and having people like uh, uh, Jean-Louis or Curtis Around him which I think just kind of really A lot of guesswork but probably Reinforces my our point Sorry, our point <laughs>
2: it's all about I, th- I, th- I think uh, Akinde lost a yard of pace since that Injury as well yeah. he,
1: There's probably a stat that quantifies Or attempts to quantify the expectation Of the shots that he's taken on goal Tom, someone should call it something like uh, expected goals or something.
0: There is, but you know what? One, that is one thing I actually haven't got the XG for League Two
1: players. I knew you wouldn't have it because you didn't mention it, and I specifically <laughs> wanted to highlight that. That's true. <laughs>
3: Penty, I, think, I think that's one of that What would be, be really interesting would be to actually see Akindiy's numbers two seasons ago compared with with now, because last season, yeah, we still had quite a bit of man- quite a few managerial changes. And by the end of the season, although Akindi was still getting goals, he wasn't quite playing the same role he was under Martin Allen at the beginning of the campaign. And really, that's, no one's ever got the best out of him like Allen did, especially with Gash. And I just wonder, Yeah, I'd be, be interested to know how much it's dropped off since then. Um, but it is worth mentioning, really, that it's not just about the supply he's getting. Akindi looks a, a shadow of himself. And I, I think he's actually escaping criticism because he's in a team that's so poor, um, and if people, were, you know, if it was a team that was safe in mid-table and we were individ- looking at the players individually, he's not, he's nowhere close to the player he has been in the past since that injury. And there's something, there's something not right. I don't know what it is. And I hope he gets back to what he was, but he's, you know, a shadow of his former self.
1: Yeah. So uh, I think, uh, I know Jonathan, you went to say it there as well, but I think I agree personally from what I've seen post-injury, he doesn't quite look the same. Um, the Grimsby game is almost a distant memory. Uh, Jonathan, I'm just going to go back to you for the final thing to sort of close it all up because you do the post match interviews. Martin Allen's thoughts. What did he say? Anything of interest there?
2: Hmm. Uh he was trying to turn a negative into a positive. We didn't get the result we needed. Uh, we needed a win. But he was he was he was upbeat about a point. He was he was saying it's a good point away away from home if you ever get a point it's always good which to an extent is true but not at this stage of the season and it was there we could have won it if we just kept our heads we we wouldn't have given away a penalty and you know Grimsby didn't threaten us much after that penalty which would sort of you know you'd like to think that maybe if we didn't give that away we'd win 2-1 but um, I, he's, he's trying to keep everyone on board Martin Allen I think behind closed doors I think he knows that was a that was a missed opportunity that um, but he, he's got to, he's got to stay upbeat he's got to stay positive he's still saying we've got a chance with that cheeky little grin of his he he, he feels it's still on uh, but with each missed opportunity I feel like it's slipping away now that's fair
1: enough right then I'm going to go actually just for Jonathan any other business on the Grimsby game
2: um, you've put me on the spot now. I don't, I don't know. I don't think no, so. Fine, good. No, no
1: problem. <laughs> Tom, any other business on the Grimsy game?
0: No, but what I will say oh is dear. John McKinty <laughs> in 16, 2.34 shots per 90, so the lowest of the three seasons we've looked at, 53.8% on target so by far the best uh, kind of accuracy percentage also I looked at his heat maps for the last three seasons and I don't think you can read too much into heat maps a lot of the time it's just where players are most of the time rather than what they're actually doing but it's interesting that of the three last three seasons his kind of combined seasonal heat map this is the only one where he doesn't show kind of a high volume of work in the penalty area and if he ain't in the penalty area he ain't scoring it's that simple so um, have
2: noticed stats and what have you it kind of bears out I have noticed he's been drifting out wide a lot more during games just to get the ball
1: mm. it's almost like there's no creative midfielder in the middle <laughs> space being wasted for a certain number 7 any other
3: business from you Will on the Grooms. No, I think we've pretty much covered it haven't we
1: covered it killed it slaughtered it kept running over it yes right three games left Will I'm going to start with you I we we'll go round one word each. It's yes or no. Will, are we now down? No, definitely not. Tom? Yes. Jonathan? Yes. Will, I have a really good psychiatrist's number if you want it.
3: <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you why we're not We're not definitely down. Um, it strikes me that based on the form since Mars Allen's come in, I'm aware you've got quite a a limited sample to work from. He seems to have been getting the results in the home matches um, and potentially against teams perhaps a little bit better than than we are. Um, We've got two home games against Newport County who are appalling away from home and then against Chesterfield who are bottom of the league. So it's not ridiculous to suggest that we would get six points from those games. And then what you're left looking at is this one match against Morecambe. Now, by the time we play them, they could be playing for nothing. And we know that more, they? they're not a good side. It's not absurd to suggest that we could win that as well. So I know that the team hasn't won many back-to-back games all season, but I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they could get three wins from three. And if you work on that assumption, then you're saying that Chesterfield need to get twelve points from the four matches apart from the one that they're playing us. They've got to win every game to finish above us. Well, that's unlikely to happen. And Grimsby would need five points from three games. Well, their games are against Swindon Town away, Notts County at home, and Forest Green away. That's not three easy fixtures. You've got Swindon, who are desperate to get into the playoffs. Notts County, who are still you know, pushing for that final third place. And then, obviously, the final game of the season away at Forest Green. So, yes, the odds are against us. But if you break it down bit by bit, I don't think it's, it's ridiculous to suggest that there is a chance we could do it
1: that was incredible oh I, I kind of want to give you a round of applause for that that was in, just magical just you know I'm going to let the listener in through the fourth wall as I like to do every, every so often and that's a rule you're not supposed to break in media but I'm not a professional so it's fine Will you said that you'd been thinking about different situations that could let us uh, stay up and I didn't realise you'd spent that long on it
3: <laughs> that's quite sad really isn't it Seth?
1: <laughs> who am I to judge I'm a massive nerd but yeah that's pathetic Will <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, you you didn't seem as uh, as as I don't know what I don't know how to describe that. You just didn't seem to be performing the Olympic level mental gymnastics that Will was.
2: Because <laughs> uh, Will's the the world's biggest optimist. Look, he was on about Swindon being you know they're desperate for the playoffs. They're awful at home, Swindon. They've, they've got one of the worst home records in the division. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs. Have they won a game under their new manager yet? I don't know. Grimsby, they're going to go there with renewed optimism. They're, they're going to go there with confidence, taking a win from Chesterfield and nearly beating us. Notts County, they're prone to a little wobble against a struggling team every now and then. They lost to us. They lost to Chesterfield not long ago. They're not that great, Knotts County. They're a very limited team. They've just overachieved this season, if you ask me. And then Forest Green on the last day, Grimsby are probably, you know, they're, they're capable of beating them. Forest Green, yeah, likewise, they've got some tough games, but they're they're quite handy in picking up just a, a cheeky little win every now and then, you know. Who would have seen them beating Mansfield a few weeks ago? No one would have seen that. After watching them play against us the other week, I, I, would, I had them saying they're they're not they're not good at all they're pretty poor but then they go and beat Cheltenham who are actually half decent this season they beat them away from home they're more than capable of picking up a win away to Yeovil, aren't they and Luton okay they'll probably lose that but they've got Chesterfield and Grimsby in their other two games for a screen and they're very capable of winning them games and in my head one of us uh, either us or Chesterfield will go down. I do think it will be both of us, unfortunately. I I, I, I can just see Forest Green and Grimsby doing enough, getting a little bit fortunate where we've missed opportunities.
3: Can can I interject for a second? I'm not just to kind of get the debate going a little bit. Like I do agree with you that Forest Green probably, they only need four points from four matches. You would imagine they'll probably find a way of getting it. But that Grimsby team is a, it's a poor team. I mean, they've, They've been yeah, on su- such a bad run. Do you really think they're going to get five points from the three games against Swindon, Notts County, Forest Green? I, that, I mean, I'm, I I know there's a lot of doubt about whether we'll win the three games ourselves. But if we do, I just I can't see them getting that points total.
2: Well, they are such a poor team, but they're such a poor team that we couldn't beat. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, I, I, it's funny what confidence can do to... To a team, and they don't get beat at home very often. Even though they've been on such a poor run of form, they've they've gone a few games at home now unbeaten, Grimsby, and it's at that stage of the season where literally anything can happen. And I mean, just as we could turn up and win all our remaining games, so could Grimsby. And I'm now in my head, I'm now thinking Barnet are relying on other teams' results, Grimsby. Oh, sorry, Jonathan, go on. I'd I'm just saying that's always a dangerous game to play when you're relying on other teams' results.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, just to add on Grimsby, you're right, I was surprised. I just pulled it up whilst you were saying they've gone a few games unbeaten at home. They have for um, 20 without a win before beating Chesterfield the other week. To me, their position is very false. And that's why, <laughs> although I say I think we're down, it's because we can't. I can't envisage a way that we win these three games, which is what I think we universally agree now. We've got to do um, to not be relying on other teams. And as I say, Grimsby's position is false. And I think if uh, if the season started, you know, later, which you know ifs and buts, then they would probably be uh, in the bottom two rather than us because they are kind of that poor side. The fact that we only got a draw there. Probably doesn't reflect brilliantly on us, but I don't think it makes us, um, you know, puts us with them. I think they're they're probably actually a worse team, but they got enough points on the bank in the bank earlier in the season to uh, you know to to avoid being any lower than they are. Um, We've not won back to back league games since the beginning of September when we beat Swindon and in Cambridge. And anything that goes that long without winning back to back league games. I, I don't believe can win 3 in a row um you know when the stakes are as high as they are and that, that's why I would say that we are sadly down now
2: It's 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 typical Barnet as well you, you I mean you you're very optimistic there will but you, we're away from home you were telling me on the weekend we're not that great away from home and Martin Allen even when he was in charge we weren't that great away from home we always we tend to struggle at Morecambe, i know we won there last season but the season before that we were abysmal martin allen was in charge then we we lost 4-2 and i've been watching the football highlights on that on the tv every every weekend and they've got this player Morecambe, i think he's on loan from somewhere i forget from where from where he's on loan from but his name's callum lang and he's always pop, popping up with a goal he's i can't i can't see Barnett keeping a clean sheet away at Morecambe and we generally struggle to score more than one goal in a game.
3: I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that, I mean, the question was kind of, are we you know, are we down? And I, I was saying we're not, but I do think the end result will be that we will go down because I think that, that fixture is going to be really, really tough to come away. Every time you go away from home, it's very tough to come away with three points. Um, you know, you generally see getting one as a success. Well, we're not in, we're really not in that position. And I... It is a possibility that Grimsby could only get one or two points from their remaining fixtures. And then suddenly, ridiculous as it sounds, a draw against Morecambe might even be enough. But you've got to look on it as if we need the three wins. And I, I think that's going to be the, the banana skin. But I'm, I do think there's a possibility there. I don't think it's as, as clear cut as it might look from looking at the league table as it stands now
1: not that I disagree with, actually I, it's funny I agree and disagree with all three of you on various points for me personally I think uh, I think Tom you were talking about how we've not won two games in the row since September for me it's, it is one of those stupid cliches in football but at this time of the season form really does go out the window because mid-table teams don't care teams like us are scrapping we'll do anything for, for survival effectively so I think form does go out the window so I think on that on that side I must say I don't think we can be ruled out but massive thing to say and I'm sorry because it goes against what you just said but you talked about how bad Grimsby are but Jonathan said it we didn't beat them so ultimately we had you know you can say they're bad you can say whatever you want but we didn't beat them Um, and that's the that's the key thing isn't it there's only so many times you can say "Ah, if we beat beat this team we would have stayed up etc and so on but we didn't so
2: I think we're going down we didn't beat them, but it's also—it's not. It, you can't even argue the case that oh, we deserve to beat them because it, a draw was a fair result at the end of the day. And I can only take from that what I saw at Grimsby. I can see them taking that sort of fight that they did have in that game and taking that into another game, into their remaining games. And I mean, they cause us problems. They can cause other teams problems as well. Um,
3: but you can flip that. In theory, you can flip that on its head, though, can't you? And you can say that. You don't need to be... We're not saying we need to be title winners. We're just saying we need to be the third worst team out of a selection of very poor teams. And Grimsby couldn't beat us at home, which is perhaps an even worse reflection on their ability than ours.
1: But they need, yeah. they need the additional points less than we do, though.
3: No, that's true. But I'm just saying that when you're looking at their how they would get on in their final fixtures, what you're essentially saying is that they couldn't manage to get three points against one of the worst teams in the league well what from that what makes you think they're going to start picking up wins against three better sides
1: but yeah but my valid point my point was that we are talking from our perspective that you know we need to win we do need to win more than they need to win because we drew and we're in the relegation zone whereas they're not so that's where my logic ends like they've done what they need to do and we need to do more than them and that's our fault over the course of a season that we can have a draw and it's a better result for them than it is for us, even though they were at home. That's because of the way the season has run
3: to date. Yes, that's what I'm. Yeah, that's. True. I mean,
2: it's it's absolutely right what Tom said earlier on. If, if the season was played from you know Christmas onwards, then Grimsby would be well down where we are. But they did all right in the first half of the season, and they, they they're just about doing enough, relying on. And what they've done earlier on in the season, that it's just about keeping them their heads above water at the moment. And we're discussing this as if we're going to the last game of the season. We could be relegated on Saturday, mathematically.
1: Did not know that. That's less
2: if, pleasant than I thought. If if we lose to Newport at home, which is you know, it's 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 not ruled out, and I'm confident we can win that. But, you know, you can't rule out Newport, they won on the weekend at I know they're mid-table. They haven't got much to play for, but they're still a dangerous se- team. If we lose and Groomsby win, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like you're probably right. I think that yeah, that would be Math- mathematical. What's the gap now? Five five points. If Groomsby win and we lose, that that'll go to eight points with two games in two, no, in two no, games. Yeah. yeah.
1: Tom's stats corner. Do you have the the, the digits there? That is correct.
2: <laughs> that's a, no, I don't have it. I'm
1: just going to agree. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Right, I'm going to move on from that because it's just depressing, isn't it? Um, Martin Allen's come in. Is it five games thus far? Two wins, a draw, two losses, which doesn't sound great, but it's actually really not that bad compared to what happened beforehand. Uh, Tom, I have to start with you because it's a Martin Allen question. Do you think he's done what we what we asked for?
0: Yeah, I think so, because although I've said he's not going to keep... Well, Although I've said we're going to go down, I think he's come in and given us hope and kept us in it at a time when we weren't getting, you know, our points per game was incredibly low. He's up to that. He's given us hope. And I think you know the margins were so fine that the only foot he's probably put wrong was the the defeat at Stevenage. And if you would have taken a point from that, you would have said probably not a bad result in the scheme of um, in the scheme of things. You know the fact that it was four one was irrelevant. It could have been one 0 in the ninetieth minute and it'd have still been a pretty um, you know pretty bad result and left us in a pretty treacherous position because with eight games, one of which you know we all would have written off, and he rightly said we weren't really expecting anything from away at Luton. Um you know that left you with seven games to get the points you needed and uh he's he's pretty much delivered it it really is just that um that Stevenage defeat that sticks out. so I think yeah, he has done what was uh what we expected but uh it, we you know there was such fine margin for error that uh anything other than a perfect uh, record would w- was unlikely to be enough. And as it's stands it looks like unlikely that that what we accrue will be enough.
1: Jonathan, should he have come in sooner?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's the most these. That's the easiest answer, or the easiest question to answer, ever really. Because yeah, I mean, you because you've seen what he's done. He's lifted the place. There's no doubt about that. He's we had two home games. We won them both. We haven't looked like losing either of them. Um, we knew he was going to do that. He. he Turns a hive into a fortress when he was there before, straight away, and he's doing it again today. Um, if you would add him in charge when we appointed Graham Wesley, if if you have Martin Allen instead, then there's a lot more games that he could afford a little bit more of a margin of error. Um, you look at games where we lost with, or didn't win under Graham Wesley, like you know, at Port Vale at home, Martin wouldn't have found out a way to win that. And that could be the difference, couldn't it? It's, it's, it? We really did leave it right up until it was, you know, one more defeat under Graham Wesley, then it probably would have been written off. Martin Allen's come in, he's lifted the place a little bit. We have just left it way too late, haven't we?
1: Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Will, pick us back up. What's, what's gone right this season? What could we look at this and pick up on and continue and, and just try to build upon?
3: Well, just, just briefly on the the Martin Allen factor if you take him post the Luton Town game I believe he's had four matches in charge um, and over the last four games we're 10th in the form table um, which when you consider what he inherited how you know demoralised and, and really not a particularly impressive team the fact that he's managed to squeeze that out of them seems quite, quite impressive and really highlights how if we had got him in perhaps when we appointed Graham Wesley that we could be in a slightly different situation. Interestingly, over the last four games, Morecambe and Chesterfield are the bottom two teams in the form table who are two of the two of the three we got to play, which has got a bode well, I imagine with Newport in 17th um, room for optimism. What? Well, I, I mean, it's, that's very much going to depend on <laughs> which league we're in next season. I mean, if we're in the, the national league, it's not, it's not an awful lot. That's great about that. Besides the fact that we get to see some wins every so often, um,
1: I meant. So get- let me rephrase that because I've I've kind of opened it up too much, and it's just it's just painful for you, isn't it? I meant more along the lines of the Martin Allen br- blueprint. Since he's come in, what's gone right? You, you know, you said that our our form is much better. He's put some energy back into the players. Things like saying he's put energy and confidence back into the players is not really that tangible. As a blueprint, what's he done
3: that's gone right? I think he's identified his best team very quickly. Um, and of course, that's a little bit easier to, for him to do because he's worked with a lot of these players before. Um, but you saw how Wesley, Mark McGee—they both took a long time to actually find the best eleven that was actually the best eleven. Um, you know, especially under Mark McGee, we seem to have you know lineup after lineup was was so lacking. Um, so that's that's one thing he's done right. I think he's um, kind of. Molly coddle the players a little bit, and in a in a positive way. Like I think that they were so probably so down and so just low on confidence after you know the series of bad results they've had. He's I think he's he's quite good at, at managing them on a personal level and kind of lifting them. Uh, I, I don't think it was a bad idea either to reduce the squad down to sort of twenty twenty two players. It means that he can really get to work with a core number of people um, and you know, try and pick out the. The weaknesses and the strengths that they can, you know, work on or utilise, respectively. Um, he's just a master of it, isn't he, Martin? I mean, he's he's done this so many times. Uh, a number of clubs. I think if, 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 if it's, it goes without saying, really. But if you want one person in charge when you're in this position, he's the man.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's that's a good answer. And uh, we've had loads of questions. A lot of them about Martin Martin Allen next season. I think a lot of them are based around what you've said really if it's not Martin Allen then what do we carry forward what's he done right what does he keep getting right that other managers don't get right um, Tom I'm going to be really cruel to you and ask you what's, what's Martin Allen not quite got right uh, if you take the looting game out of the equation there's still a horrific defeat to Stevenage and it's still not quite good enough just yet what's, what's he not quite managed to do that we would have hoped for Wow, you have
0: been cruel. That is an
1: extraordinarily hard question,
0: and I'd almost like you to put in a put in a pause now so I can think about another good answer. Because <laughs> off the top of my head, I haven't got one. I almost don't think. And I'm, this is going to sound terrible. And I'm, like, uh, like, I just can't see fault in the man. He's oh, his fault. I think he's done it for. As I say, he's, the margin for error was so. You know. Tight, And I think I agree with all the things he has done in terms of the team as well and the way he sets the team up and what have you. He's the perfect man for it. He's the master of it. It's almost just if he could have done it, if he could have done anything, if, if I look at it in terms of what he could have done, perhaps that might have made the difference. A lot of maybes maybe he could have instilled a bit more belief in them because I'm sure he has instilled belief in them, but I kind of get the feeling that a lot of the mistakes that they make and a lot of the kind of, uh, I was about to say, a lot of kind of problems, there haven't been that many problems, really, as we've identified. It really was that Stevenage game that's killed us. So perhaps if he had been able to instill the kind of, the additional belief in them that when they went one 0 down against Stevenage, or wasn't lost. Then uh, maybe we wouldn't have lost that game. Maybe we wouldn't be here. I, th- I really do think it's that um, that simple. Because with eight games to go, there's not a lot you can afford to change. Almost is there for uh, you know changes for changes' sake aren't aren't, aren't healthy or productive. So he's done what he deemed necessary and being quite pragmatic about it as, as we would have expected. And you know, all the things that will and Jonathan mentioned and, uh, it's mostly worked. So I don't think he's really going to take any blame if, if we do go down or, or kind of have a blame attributed to him. If we do go down,
2: the enough. only, the only thing I can think he's done wrong is, se- the- is selecting Ryan Watson at right back against yeah. Stevenage. Yeah, the so
0: team, team at Stevenage.
2: Well, that, it was literally just that one. I'm, I don't have a problem with Joe Payne playing at left back because I think he did all right. It was just, I don't even blame Martin Allen for that defeat because we started the game well against Stevenage, with Martin Allen's words of encouragement before the game um, still ringing in the ears. And it was as the half went on, Stevenage got better and better, and we deteriorated, um, conceded right on the brink of half time. Horrible time to concede. Second half started brightly again with Martin Allen's words from half time still ringing around in the players' heads. And as the half wore on, it was individual errors that cost us really in that game. And I mean, the team selection was a bit bizarre starting Ryan Watson at right back. But I mean, his intentions were good. And I asked him about it after the game, and he gave his, his honest answer. And you can't really argue back at it because he, he knew Stevenage didn't play with uh, with wingers. They played in a diamond midfield, which they did. Um, and Ryan Watson, who can play at right back, he wanted to use his uh, crossing ability to our advantage. It's not his fault. Ryan Watson didn't do that. Ryan Watson, you know, he'd, he can strike a good free kick and he could put some good crosses in, but he does it about three games out of ten. He's not consistent enough at doing it. Um, you probably could have questioned Martin Allen as to why he didn't take him off, but that's the
3: only thing I can think Martin Allen's done wrong. I, I think, I think perhaps that's perhaps that's a little bit too positive in terms of the Stevenage game. I mean, I think he got that badly wrong. Actually, I think if he right throughout Martin's time at Barnet, he's got a tendency to rotate too much when it comes to midweek games. Um, and I and I know why he probably did it. He thought that. Um, you know, the players have struggled playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday during the season. So he he wants to freshen things up, but that's kind of a regular trait. There's a a game that springs to mind away at Knott's County on a Tuesday night a couple of years back. And he put in all kinds of weird players. I feel like Sean Batt might've played Jack Jack Stacey. And I think what he ends up doing is he, he overthinks things. So he, he thinks of specific attributes that a player's got and he goes, oh, you know, this team's weak here. Um, you know, Ryan Watson can cross or put him at right back. Completely forgetting that, that that one fact might be true, but Ryan Watson is not very good, and he's certainly not very good at right back. Um, and I and the same with, you know, potentially Joe Payne at left back. I'm sure he thought that his long throw, he's got a decent throw on him, would probably help us out. But that's forgetting the fact that he's not as good as David Totonda. And I, I just think that as much as Martin did find the best team very quickly, that one set of changes when we won the previous game was that essentially lost us the, the Stevenage match, and it is something that he does pretty regularly. Um, yeah, you know, not again. I don't. Want, maybe I'm sounding too critical because he has done a fantastic job since he's come in. But just for the sake of a bit of balance, I think he did get that game wrong.
2: I, I, I don't have a problem with that, uh, Joe Payne playing. I thought I think he's a good player, and he he, he did very well in that game. I believe. Joe Payne the only thing he did wrong was obviously that error that cost us I think it was a third goal where he tried to clear it with the left foot got blocked and then rushed his clearance with the right foot gave it straight to them and they scored um, and he got subbed straight after that I think but that's just inexperience, that's just uh, a young player tiring as the game goes on and rushing and panicking when he didn't need to that comes with experience or with experience and but now it's not the time to give was, them the experience. I was going to say, yeah,
1: sorry to interject, gents, but Jonathan, I, this is a point I made a couple of pods ago about Dan Sweeney, and, and uh, I don't want to go back to that, but my point, underlying point was that no matter how good he is or how much potential he has, you don't put players in positions where they can make crucial mistakes at this point of the season. It's it's that That is exactly the sort of thing you don't do. It's really, really important that you don't go into a game with a player, let alone two or three, doing or in positions or in areas where a mistake which they could very well have in them can cost you. It's it just that's, that is poor management, in my opinion. Because that's, well, that's what management is about. You're about maximising your, your ability to, to do the good things and minimising either the opposition's chance to do good things or your ability to do bad things. And that's,
2: well, that's a big error. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that. And obviously Mark McGee playing Dwight Pascal and Ben Giagardino against Grimsby is a massive highlight of that. But look at where we are in the table. The players that have been playing all season, they've been making the same sort of mistakes as well. So there's no guarantee that, you know, Joe Payne or David Titonda, they could have both done the same mistake. I know Titonda played really well against Grimsby, but we've seen him play Shockers this season as well. So I agree with what you're saying, but you're not guaranteeing a a mistake-free game by playing players that have played all season are
1: you? You're right and that's fair I mean we must you've, you've actually hit the nail on the head there we're, we're talking about it because there's an opportunity to offer criticism but the reality is that someone else could who's on paper more experienced, could just have easy, easily has made the same mistake because that's been the story of the season right, I'm going to gonna tidy up I'm um, going to give you guys all a bit, of, a bit of a game to play a bit of role play which you're going to love so it's parents evening little Martin's come with his parents <laughs> well you're the geography teacher because you dress like one Jonathan, you can be a PE teacher. Tom, you can be an English teacher. Um, I want very briefly from all three of you, and I'll start with... Who wants to start? Oh, that's terrible. Uh, right. I'm happy to start. Excellent, Will. Geography teacher, Will. So, little Martin's there. I want a grade. I don't know what they grade them in school nowadays, so we're just going to go for the old classic A star to F. One positive in a sentence, and one needs to improve. Okay?
3: Yeah, okay. Grade A... Because I suppose that one that one factor, the um you know, the Stevenish game probably just stops him getting the A star, but he's certainly done a really good job. Okay. Um positive, he's built organise he's built confidence and improved organization in the team. And needs to improve Oh, uh, God, there isn't much, is there? Um needs to I guess that we're gonna have to pick on the Stevenage thing again, so potentially um always play your senior players when you're in a relegation battle.
1: <laughs> I love how you actually had a very well-balanced and fair criti- uh, criticism, I thought, of, of Martin. And then when I gave the opportunity to the net offer criticism, you're such an optimist that you'd forgotten all of that and you were just thinking, I can't criticise the man. <laughs> uh, Tom, same from you, please.
0: Yep. Um, I'm going to give him a B for now, but if he does keep us up, uh, it would ha- it would have to be an A plus, 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 <laughs> plus. Um, improvement. Consistency of selection. It's not so much about bringing Joe Payne in and uh, to echo the other guys, yeah, I've got no problem with him bringing Payne in. He's a good young player. Um, maybe it was the occasion, but, you know, as w- uh, Jonathan rightly said, you know, playing the senior pros is a guarantee of nothing either. Um, it's more about kind of building units and combinations and what have you. It feels like there's been a good few changes uh, most weeks and I'm sure someone will probably prove me wrong now by saying, well, actually, there hasn't been, but it feels like there has, so I'm going to stick with it and double down. Um, if, if there had been greater consistency of selection, I feel that would have been beneficial. Uh, and the positive, I think, is he's given us something to believe in in the final weeks of the season at a point when people were probably... Never more disenfranchised from the club for a variety of reasons, he came in and, he, although he's not universally popular, we have to acknowledge that he has uh, kind of got everyone singing from the same hymn sheet and given us hope in the final weeks of what could ultimately be a very gloomy and a very gloomy season. So I think that is a, you know, it's uh, it's not going to mean anything in the long run, but um, it's something to cling to.
2: Okay. He named uh, he named an unchanged team for the game against Grimsby. <laughs>
1: Tom was probably hoping that a fan would say that on Twitter <laughs> after. <but he's>, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> hit him while he's hot. Go
2: on, then.
0: Akinola in, Akinola out. Tatonda in, Tatonda out. You know, Tatonda's had a good season. He might have had one. You know, Obviously, he's had bad games, plural. But he might have had a bad game prior to Stevenage. But I just don't know if there's the reason to drop him. And this isn't an attack on pain, as I say. But I think across his games, he sort of tinkered a reasonable amount. And Sweeney, one minute centre back, one minute centre mid, and you know,
1: it just—I would, I just, I don't know if that's helpful. If that was what I would say. That's fine. Listen, this not, is a judgment-free yeah. zone, Tom. And I know it was—it was big and difficult for you to criticise Martin Allen, and I'm proud of you, buddy. Thank you. It's good for my personal development. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, Jonathan, also quickly, Jonathan, I said you could be the PE teacher but I feel like that's kind of insulting is there a, is there a particular type of teacher you like to be?
2: PE teacher
1: oh, excellent PE <laughs> oh, okay. e. teachers and
0: Jonathan excellent
1: listen, if I can get the digs in and get two digs of one stone I'm all about that that's efficient that is Jonathan, uh, your grade did well and needs to improve
2: Uh, grade he's just scraping an A at the moment Uh, like Tom if he keeps us up it will be a star times affinity Uh, positive he's he's made me think that we're not going to lose at a hive for the remainder of the season he's turned the hive into a real fortress and I feel very confident going into the game against Newport and hopefully Chesterfield as well um negative or needs to improve Yeah, the they're, they're form. not
1: negatives they're just it needs to improve that's we're, we're, we're like that here
2: need need to improve the away form okay that was simple it yeah, awesome. simple as yeah simple as yeah
1: very succinct thank you very much i hope you guys enjoyed today's parents evening uh, i'm now going to hand over to english teacher tom who has uh questions from twitter
0: yeah lots and lots and lots of questions so much so that we discussed prior to recording that, and agreed that we would leave some of them for our end of season bonanza that we're going to host. Uh, well, we're not going to host it. Will's going to host it. Um, so we, we are saving some of them. So if your question doesn't get uh, read out today, that is why. But thank you ever so much, all of you that have sent questions in. It feels like there's more and more every time. And uh, it's great to have your interaction. It really does make the show for us. Uh, so I'm going to start, as we often do, with Jim Kavanagh. Who says with Rossi's contract due to expire and Martin Allen seemingly on a short-term contract as usual? Brackets, not that it matters. Where will the stability come from, seeing as Tony Kleanthos has all the footballing nous of dot 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 Robbie Savage? Will <laughs> where does the where does the stability come from? And there is none is is an acceptable answer.
3: You don't have to lie just to fit Jim's narrative. Absolutely brutal from Jim there, but um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's a really good question because my gut feeling is that Martin Allen might not might not stick around for next season. Um, I mean, the only thing you can really say is that success, in, in a sense, success breeds stability because I don't think that the chairman goes about wanting to sap managers left, right, and centre. It's just that we seem to have this amazing ability to find ourselves in a position which is so desperate that the only option is to get rid of the manager and get someone else in now if we're in the conference next year that might not be the case um you know if we're third fourth fifth sixth whatever it is it's not the same as a relegation um or being in the relegation zone so it may be that whichever manager comes in next season gets the opportunity to try and build something because the the stakes are a little lower if you like um if we stay up God knows, to be honest with you, Tom. I I can't even imagine that at the moment.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Sam Collins sent in a few, one of which was facetious. What horrific crime did we as Barnet fans commit in a previous life to deserve such mediocrity and failure on the football pitch? Should we put Monty in charge next season? Uh, Monty being Martin Allen's dog. Uh, His more serious question is, now it appears that only Martin Allen can get results at Barnet FC. Are we facing some Groundhog Day Kafkaesque nightmare of a lifetime of dire percentage football, long throws, infantile mind games and eternal, mind-numbing, tedious football? Mind-numbing and tedious. That's how bad it is, apparently. (laughs) Or is there hope the circle can be broken, Jonathan? Can the
2: circle be broken? Strikes me that Sam Collins is one of these people that wanted Martin Allen out when we were seventh. Um dig. sorry,
3: that's a dig. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you can't sorry, dig sorry, people Sam, out by
1: like, name, Jonathan.
3: <laughs> sorry,
2: but sexy.
1: Um I was no, literally the, thinking that's no, a really no, good question.
2: <laughs> it, no, you know what? It is a good question that, you know, he was the style of football has never bothered me. As long as you get the results and you know, I'm quite happy to win the league by playing the most Boring style possible Because you win the league And if you're winning the league Or if you're getting promoted you're, Your football You're going to be enjoying it Aren't you? Come on Yes um, So option for us Winning the league With terrible football So well, like, as, as long as you're winning <laughs> As long as you're winning games You're going to be happy Yeah Surely You know If, if you're not Then Something's wrong um, I, Going to the question though uh, Can the cycle be broken? Yeah I think it can if, 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 if Martin isn't the answer, there's got... I mean, how many football managers are there out there? There's got to be someone else that can get us going. Um, but it depends on more than uh, just the manager, I suppose. It depends on, you know, the the, the proper backing from the board. and You've you got to stick with something. If you want to... The director of football, if you want to play in a certain style of play, then you've got to stick with it. Um and not change midway through the season. Stick to your guns, and you will eventually get what, where you where, where you need to be. This um, idea that uh, instant instant success does just doesn't exist in football. Instant success. Pep Guardiola struggled last season at Man City, um, but he was given the funds and he was given time to get what he wanted. And this season, he's really he's he's done it, hasn't he? He's won the league. But y- you see how many times managers get that new manager bounce and then struggle. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, you're sacking another manager and you're sacking another manager. And it just, it builds up and that's what's happened to my club, Sunderland, and look at the mess we're in. Um, it can be broken. I don't know who. I don't know who's going to break it. Um, mm-hmm. And Martin Allen's and and not going to be around forever. And like Will, my gut instinct is if we if we go down, Martin Allen isn't going to stay, I don't reckon. If we stay up, he might be tempted. Um but you, you name me. You've got to have someone who's good at finding a manager. Yeah, finding the finding the right manager, not a a name, and not not a cheap option. You've got to find the right manager.
0: And I think to just bring you back to one of your earlier points that kind of goes back to what Jim was saying about some kind of semblance of continuity, the chopping and changing between director of football, head coach and manager and so on, which we've gone into before. And I'm not going to let us fall down that wormhole again. Uh, Carlos Vine asks who should be our manager next season and who will it actually be? We'll get onto that at the end of the season. Uh, Anthony BFC has sent over a few pertaining to the academy whether Martin Allen can get us up from the conference and are we going down? Two of those we'll cover at the end of the season. One we've covered. Danielia Curso, really good question, actually. Is Fuadzu one of the oddest signings we've made? Spoke of highly by Bohemian fans, but hardly had a look in since January. It was a deal which fell short of time back in August under Rossi, so why did we complete the signing in January, even though Rossi had stepped down? I suspect we can't give the most accurate answer on that because we don't know the inner workings of the club. He certainly hasn't been helped by injury, but Staffy, assessment of the Fuad Sul situation as it
1: will later be- become
0: known as a Wikipedia entry.
1: <sighs> Haven't I uh, already done this on the pod? I, I-, I did it. I was really <laughs> proud of when I did it the first time around, but clearly it wasn't good enough. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, you succinctly uh, give me the synopsis
1: um... of previous answers.
0: <laughs> So Daniel gets an answer.
1: Yeah. Um, so what was, the, what was the exact wording of his question? And I'll make it succinct to his question. Yeah,
0: well, um, we're going to have to put an expletive tag on that now because I've just sworn. Um, his words <laughs> to one of the oddest signs we made. Spoke highly of by Bose fans, but hardly had a look in since Jan. It was a deal which fell short of time in, back in August under Rossi. So why did we complete the signing in January even though Rossi had stepped down? Okay, so the first
1: part was... Is it one of the oddest signings? I don't think so. I think there are many more odd signings. There's a catalogue of them. Yeah. So it, It's an odd signing, but I don't think it's one of the oddest or the most odd, by any stretch of the imagination. And the, the bigger part, why did it still go through in January? I think, well, I don't know. So one of three things I imagine, first of all, would be that it didn't happen in August, but we got the paperwork signed and, and it was agreed from you know the day after the deadline that it would happen... Yeah. In January, I think that to be honest, that's probably the most most likely option. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the other two options. First one is just panic. So we still need a DM. There's still a hole for a DM. So we go back and, and trace our steps and sign the guy we were going to sign. And the third thing that may have happened is that for whatever reason, actually, no, it's, it's, it's so speculative. I was just, I'm just thinking something along the lines of. It was probably on, then off, and then we turned it back on. But I've kind of covered that in the other two, really, haven't I?
0: I would say so, yeah. And on that bombshell, we've got two more from Jim, but they're both good questions for the end of the season, so we will save them. So thank you to everyone that tweeted us in questions. And if you didn't, what's wrong with you? It's (laughs) podcast for future reference. We always tweet out when we're going to be recording. So get
1: involved. We'd love to have your input. Yeah, it's, it's really... I say every time, it gets pathetic, but it is really, really... Cool. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I will say, an open question. Actually, whoever whoever takes care of our Twitter, I don't even know. Um, a poll tomorrow, does Jonathan get benched for a, a lack of discipline in front of the fans? <laughs> Look forward to seeing how that goes down. <laughs> uh, and other than that, Jonathan, any other business? Anyone else you want to dig out? Any other fans you know by name? <laughs>
2: Um, No, I feel like I'm going to be forced to apologise. I've just come back from a 13, 14 hour day at work in which I woke up before 5 o'clock this morning and came back well after 7 o'clock. So, excuse me for being a little bit snappy, I don't know. Um,
1: There's no need to apologise.
2: It's made it more entertaining, shall we say that? Yeah, Um, and you might get (laughs) benched. I might, well, yeah, I know. you got to keep your characters in the team haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, other than that, uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm sure, Sam, if you want to send me some sort of abuse, I'll I'll, I'll look at it, I won't reply to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it's at Jonathan Blakey. If you want to know how to spell it, then listen to the other pods, because I've said that too many times now.
1: Good. Also, can I just extend that invitation, not just to Sam, but to anyone else who wants to send some <laughs> abuse? Please be my guest, Tom. Any other business from you?
0: No, all good for me. It's T B B O D E
1: on Twitter. Just want to highlight you didn't lag out then. That was you struggling to spell your own name. Yes, yes, it was. Forgot how many oh, f- us <laughs> f- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> so much editing I'm going to have to do. <laughs> sorry,
0: sorry, sorry. If you have children, swearing's not. No, good. I'm going to
1: bleep it out. We can't. We just can't have that in it, Tom. It's yeah. an outrage. Um,
0: yeah, it's in disgrace.
1: <laughs> will, please end this circus. Any other business?
3: <laughs> no, I'll keep it brief as always. You can follow me on at Will G Evans One on Twitter. Um, and Jonathan and I will be on the commentary on I on I Follow. I think the next time we're both on together is the Morecambe away game.
1: Cool. You can follow me on Twitter at Eastivaros East E S T I V A R O S. See how I can do that with no delays, Tom. Very good. Can I just add one more thing that I should have said in all seriousness and forgot to say? Yeah.
0: Um, Do tell your Barnet supporting friends, family, people you dislike, colleagues, anyone you wish to inflict pain upon about the podcast and where you can get it, which is iTunes, Acast and SoundCloud, because it really does rely on word of mouth. And the more people listen, the more likely we'll keep bothering to do it. And that will satisfy
1: our egos and your ears. So everyone's a winner. Great plug, that was, that was very good I'm tempted to buy the product you just sold It was that, that <laughs> good And it's available for free So, yes. wow And there's no adverts for razors
0: either So what more do you want?
1: Yeah, excellent, alright then, thank you gents It's been fantastic, uh, I've got a lot of editing to do now Because of Tom's potty mouth and, uh, <laughs> off <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks gents, thank you
0: <laughs> Cool, thank you very much